Hi, I'm Adrian, the host of She's So Cool Unscripted, an interview-based female empowerment podcast. This show is for listeners who want to hear from strong and influential women who are pursuing their passions in life. Each woman's story will inspire you to embrace who you are, love yourself fiercely, and pursue your dreams. I'm really excited to release this bonus episode for you. For most of you, this is likely your first time hearing me go off script, which means you'll hear a whole new side of me and my personality. As you may already know, I normally post my unscripted episodes for the changemakers who pay for bonus content on Patreon, but I decided to release a Patreon-exclusive interview to celebrate hitting 25,000 listens. It blows me away that I have people tuning in from nearly 100 different countries around the world. If you want to see my 90-minute uncut interview with Ashley, you can visit patreon.com slash pod and sign up as a changemaker for access. The listeners who are a part of the She's So Cool community on Instagram voted for this episode in my stories. Instagram has been one of the best places for me to meet new listeners, get listener feedback, and create amazing relationships with the people who are tuning in. If you want to stay up to date on all things She's So Cool, see beautiful illustrations by talented women, and feel empowered, follow on Instagram at She's So Cool Pod. For those of you who are already a part of the She's So Cool community on Instagram, you'll know that I've released the names of the 10 women to be featured in the third season of the show. If you haven't yet, hop onto my profile and check the season three highlight for details. I'm currently running a call for voice memos and conversational interviews for these 10 episodes. If you're interested, click the link in my Instagram bio to set up your interview slot. Otherwise, feel free to send me a voice memo or ask me any questions via email at shesocoolpod at gmail.com. On this episode, I interviewed Ashley Flowers, the creator of the podcast network Audio Chuck. You likely know her as the creator and host of Crime Junkie Podcast, but she has recently launched two additional shows titled Full Body Chills and Red Ball. Ashley launched Crime Junkie with her best friend Britt Prewat in December 2017. Ashley doesn't produce her show just for the sake of entertainment. She also uses it as a platform to help spread the word about people who are missing, solve cold cases, and bring attention to active cases that are being underreported. I'm a member of the Crime Junkie fan club on Patreon, which gives me access to extra episodes and other bonus content. In one of her bonus episodes, she said, I had not found my passion until this. I can't imagine what my life would be like without this show. This is the best thing I've ever done. I've never done anything in my life that I'm so proud of and that has made me feel so fulfilled. I'm more proud of this than I've been of anything I've ever done. It's this passion that makes her one of my podcast role models and why I thought she was such a good fit for She's So Cool Unscripted. You'll hear my excitement about being able to have the opportunity to chat with Ashley in this clip of me greeting her at the beginning of our interview. Hello. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for doing this. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm busy, tired, all of the above. You're so busy. You're so busy. Mm -hmm. And so I really appreciate you doing this. It means so much to me. You are like my podcast role model. And so this is a really big deal for me. I hope you're excited to dive in and learn about Ashley's journey to building her business, her views on the podcast industry, and the goals she has for her future. So before we get started, I do want to know, I was thinking about it as I was sitting here and I was like, you know, if I could pick anyone to interview, it would be Ashley Flowers. I wonder who she wishes she could interview. 
Honestly, I'm trying to think. In the last year, I I feel like I've met like every person that I because when I think about like podcasting, like the people that I really looked up to, like when I got to meet Rabia Chaudhry and Susan Simpson, like I mean, I, I I've seen Rabia a hundred times. I still get so flustered and I pass out every time I see her. <laughs> uh, so I think like that's how it would have been for me. And like when I met Patrick Hines for the first time, and now like we Facetime every day. So I feel like there were those people for me, and I still get excited to see them. But I've I've gotten the opportunity to talk to most of them now. That's amazing. Yeah. And I just saw that you posted the announcement of how much money you raised. Can you talk cool? about that? Yes. Yeah, so, Amazing. Yeah, so we did um, this this episode about some unidentified people. Recently, I'd come across the nonprofit DNA Doe Project. I'm obsessed with what they do. They're using this genealogy to solve, not to solve necessarily the cases, but to at least solve the per- first piece to like figure out who these people are. So we decided like, hey, like, let's give all the Crime Junkie fans like a chance to actually help because I think that's like the beautiful part about our listeners is Um, they, like me, don't think it's just entertainment. They realize that these are real stories and real people and want to help. We're just all, you know, working our day jobs and don't know how. So um, we did a big fundraiser where we had, we created this season of justice design. It's what we call this era of new crime solving. And yeah, we raised $17,500. I can't even believe it. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Thank That's you. huge. Yeah, I'm so excited. So how long did you dream about hosting a podcast before you actually launched your show? I, you know, I don't know that it was too long, maybe like six months. I think, you know, I started listening to podcasts in 2014 and like I didn't even really understand what it was. It was obviously serial that got me into it. And slowly, I mean, because all the ones I, you know, listened to at first were done by these like really big companies, NPR, you know, This American Life. And it was like, took me a while to realize that these like people were just doing it out of their spare room and that maybe I could do it too. And then it was, you know, I don't know what started exactly. I mean, it was this combination of working with Crime Stoppers and, you know, I really was a crime junkie. I'd gone through all of the true crime podcasts, the ones made by professionals, the one made by amateurs. And I just felt like a show was missing in all of that. And I was like, I think I, like, I think I can do it. I think I can tell a story and I think I can tell it in the way that people want to hear it. And again, I thought it was going to be like this cool hobby that maybe was like locally, like had a following, like a tra- little indie podcast. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, even when I was like, I'm going to do it, I never thought I was going to like do it and like have a podcast that's in like the top 10 of iTunes. Not top 10. You like hit number one at one point. I did. Isn't that weird? <laughs> it's amazing. And I think it's it's very well deserved. And, and we'll get to that and your reaction to that in a second. But, um, you know, you had been listening to podcasts since you heard Serial. And you were like, yeah, I can do this. So what was your planning process like? So did you know Britt was always going to be that second person? And how did you determine the format for your show? Because I think the format that you use is one of the reasons why it's so incredible. What we have now was always what I wanted. Um, I was always very intentional that I wanted a two-person show. I wanted a two-person show that just told the story because I found a lot of, I love the like the, the back and forth of two people, but so many shows had these inside jokes that I, I couldn't understand coming in on episode 80. And I just, I have such bad ADD as it is. Like, just tell me the story or the second you're not, I'm like way over here. So I always wanted two people, but I, I also didn't want two people telling the story because I think it takes you out of it. 
Brit. Um, the narrations are always so different. And I really did always want Brit to act as the audience. I The whole form of the show is I wanted it to feel like I'm telling my best friend a story and I want the audience to feel like they're my best friend. And I felt like the easiest way to convey that is to actually do it, to tell my best friend a story. And then I think I thought it would translate, which obviously it has. So when I said we, we had a totally different format, um, originally, because Brit and I were working full time, our schedules were so different. We tried recording at separate times where I I would like record and like just leave blanks for her to like come in. It was so bad. <laughs> I, we Again, we recorded it so many times. I could never, ever release it. Oh, my God, it was awful. So early on in your experience creating your podcast, what was one of the biggest challenges you experienced maybe within the first six months or first year? Honestly, the biggest challenge I had um, was 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 other podcasters. When we came into the space, we didn't get a warm welcoming, to put it that way. Yeah, so that was that was the hardest thing for me because I I felt like I knew how, I'd always worked for startup companies, so I treated my podcast like a like a startup business. I felt like I knew how to run that. I felt like I knew how to tell a good story. I felt like I knew how to research. Britt knew how to edit when we started. Now my brother edits. Like I felt like I had all the right pieces, and I expected that I'd come into this new space and be welcomed with open arms. And because again, the whole point of my show was like there just isn't enough content you know, I'm not taking the place of anyone. There's just more for people to listen to. And that was definitely not the attitude that I was uh, welcomed with. Wow. So in like, on what kind of platforms were you experiencing that? Social media, people reaching out through email, um, reviews on our show when we first started. How did you like overcome that? I can't imagine because it's like, just because I exist doesn't mean that takes away from the value that you provide in your show. This is not competition. Yeah, and and that's how I've I've, I've always felt. And I think why I have such synergy, um, me and Patrick Hines are now like podcasting BFFs, is we both have this view that there is, this is such a new space. There is room in this space for everyone. And we're not fighting for like a time slot on TV. This is like the beauty of podcasting. It's on demand and we should be encouraging like other people to come into the space and start their own creative thing and do what makes them happy. So that's like that's always been been my my take on it. And I don't know that everyone thinks that. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, working so hard on something and then having someone reach out and. Uh, Yeah, it was. (laughs) You know, and of course, it never again, it never crossed our mind and. Britt and I made the horrible, maybe best, but horrible at the time decision of we released the podcast. Her and I share the same birthday. We released the podcast the day before our birthday. So it was great because we got all these listens. It was taking off. But we also like it was on our birthday that like there was this firestorm of people just like coming after us. And we're like, oh, crap, like people are mean. And this this is like the worst birthday ever. (laughs) Oh, my God. Like the day after your show launched, people were contacting you. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, that was crazy. But here we are. Yeah, yeah. Here we are later. Yeah. So at what point did you realize that your podcast had really taken off? Um, You know, I, I, I think it's like all relative because, I mean, Britt and I had no following before. Like we both worked like very vanilla day jobs. We were not in entertainment or anything. So for us to, I think like, I remember like hitting 4,000 downloads and her and I were freaking out because like we couldn't even imagine 4,000 people in a room. Like, so that 4,000 people we don't know hearing our voices like blew our minds. And so I think it's constantly just been like changing 
so like and then we hit 4,000 and they're like oh do you think we could like get to 10,000 people and like we're just constantly like raising the bar for what we think success is for ourselves and then obviously you know then we hit number one and I'm like I don't know what's going on anymore yeah that's amazing yeah I'm I'm very much in that camp of like every thousand is like a big accomplishment and and it's so funny because like people I talk to that are starting a podcast like play it down like they're like you know I only have a thousand downloads and I'm like a th- like that's a thousand people you don't know like unless you're a celebrity who's like starting their podcast you have no following that's crazy I think people like take it for granted now and I don't know why because it's such a big deal yeah I really appreciate that perspective because I'm like I was watching this interview you did I think with Cheddar mm-hmm. and they were like yeah you have 10 million downloads a month and I like literally like <laughs> melted I like melted into my couch I was like Oh my it's goodness, a lot now. 10 yeah. million a month. I was just like, my jaw dropped. I just like kept <laughs> saying like 10 million in such a good way. Like, wow, that is yeah. so incredible. Like that is possible. That is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Did you have any specific episode that really like drove up your listenership Yeah. And we knew it was going to this one was going to make or break us. Um, It was our episode about Adnan Syed and what Serial didn't tell you. It was episode 20. It was such a nightmare. Britt like almost killed me because we recorded it. She was like up late editing it. I mean, and we were like week to week at that point. And I listened to it and I was like, I'm tra- I'm trashing this entire thing. We're starting over. And I mean, we did that like twice. I mean, it, it was, I remember the night before that went out, she was up at like three o'clock in the morning. I was up at like three o'clock in the morning. We both had to go to work the next day down to the wire because I was just so worried about this episode. Um, again, because I like, I mean, this is a case that everyone knew. I knew this one, if it was going to get some traction, it was going to get the attention of like the undisclosed team. And like, you know, if they gave their blessing or they like pooped all over it, like that was, that was it. Like, and Britt was terrified, but I, I just felt like I felt so confident in it. And it was honestly the, the episode that I had been wanting to do since day one, but I knew we had to get like a few under our belt first. I didn't want to come out as like the, sh- the show about cereal, but that was the one because uh, Georgia Hardstark from My Favorite Murder tweeted about it. And then, Colin Miller from Undisclosed tweeted about it and then Rabia tweeted about it and that that for me I think was like the huge and it's the one that a lot of new people even still episode you know 20 we're on 88 87 now that's the one that people still sometimes find us on as they're you know rediscovering cereal or the HBO documentary or whatever that's amazing wow was it huge when they retweeted it? Like, oh, wow. But then I remember <laughs> when I was like sitting outside and Britt called me and her and I like we're, we do our podcast together. We're like text friends, like our whole lives. We were on the computer together. We're texting. We like, never call each other. And I was like, oh, my God, something's something's horribly wrong. Like, again, things were still like a little tumultuous with the podcast. I was like, everything, everything's blown up. Like my world's over. And she was like almost crying because she had listened to my favorite murder for a long time. I, I had not. And she was like, Georgia tweet about our episode. Like this is game changing. She was freaking out. Um, it was, it was such a cool feeling. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like I'm living that on a much smaller scale. And the fact that you're able to sustain it is incredible. So you know, I want to hear how long were you working full time until you decided, like, I can make the podcast my job? It was a full year that I'd been working full time. Um, I probably could have stopped at about six months, but I put a lot of money of my own money into the show when we started. And 
I wasn't ready to even pay myself back, much less take a salary. I was like very determined, again, going back to like treating it like a startup business. Every dime that we made that first year, I wanted to put back into growing the business and growing the show. So it was really hard. I would say from like June of 2018 until January of 2019, because I would I would wake up at you know, five o'clock in the morning, I'd work a couple of hours on the podcast. I'd go to work from eight to five. I'd come home. I'd work from like five to 10. I'd go to sleep. And then on the weekends, I'd have to do like 12 hours on Saturday, 12 hours on Sunday. Like I didn't see my friends. I didn't really see my husband. We had just gotten married. Um, It was the like hardest six months ever. And not that it, like, I honestly, it's so funny because when I left, I thought like, oh my, thank God I'm going to have my nights and my weekends back. But it, it all kind of worked out perfectly because when I ended up leaving my job was right when we got the Rolling Stone like mention of like best one of the best true crime podcasts. And so then like everything took off in a whole new way. So now like the, the time I really still have two jobs, I feel like like there is running the business of Audio Chuck, which is now really like a nine to five. And then I'm still doing my podcasting, which is the researching, the writing, the recording, the editing. Um, so now I still have two jobs. It's just all for the same thing now. So what are you doing with Audio Chuck? Yeah, like everything. <laughs> it, when it was just Crime Junkie, it's just like the really boring stuff. It's like it's the marketing, it's the PR, it's the meeting with my accountant and keeping my books and like just doing all of that stuff, the advertisers, everything. Um, now Crime Junkie, I mean, again, it still takes all of that, but I am looking at doing other shows. So I've got a show that I'm working on, just like a little mini series with the Indiana State Police that I'm super excited about. Um, I am going to be partnering up with somebody. We haven't made the announcement yet, um, so I can't like talk in detail, but partnering up with somebody and launching another show in January of 2020. And then we hope to add two additional shows on to the Audio Check Network. So in total, it would be like Crime Junkie and four other shows by hopefully like the end of next year. Oh my goodness. That's incredible. Wow. Wow. Plus Patreon, like all those extra bonus content episodes. Yeah. 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 Like I'm always trying to make sure our fan club is a priority for us because I mean, Patreon was like the first thing that ever brought in money that I could put back into the show. So I I constantly want to keep creating content for the fan club without pissing everyone else off. You know, people get so mad. Like you can never make everyone happy. People are mad that we're creating paid content. And I don't know, you know, what can you do? So I had no idea that you were like building out audio check. Yeah, because I, again, because I'm crazy and I can't just like take a breath. I mean, you're not crazy. I am so excited. Yeah, I've been like, I've been trying to, I also have this, this, you know, mentality of like, which is a little, like a little bit of the imposter syndrome where at at any moment I'm like, they're going to realize that I'm just like this girl in Indianapolis who's recording out of her spare room and I shouldn't be in the top 10 of iTunes. Like any minute they're going to figure this out. So I better do as much as I can before somebody realizes. (laughs) So I were like, I am in the process. I'm trying to partner with a writer to do a book. Um, I'm talking to a couple of production companies about doing Crime Junkie, the TV show. So to, yeah, so there's all this talk about, you know, branching out and doing additional podcasts, but I'm also super interested in branching out to other forms of media as well. So I do want to hear what it was like for you to hit number one. I happened to be when we hit, I was in New York 
for for work. I think I was meeting with my ad company and I happened to be at dinner with Patrick Hines and Jillian Pensavalli from True Crime Obsessed and their super hot husbands. And again, Brit is like blowing up my phone and I'm like, okay, if she's calling, like the world's ending. And she was like FaceTiming me. And she was the one who was like, we are freaking number one on iTunes. So we're freaking out at this like super nice restaurant in New York City. We're like ordering champagne. I mean, I ordered like every drink on the menu. I was so hungover the next day that I definitely had to go to work meetings. Uh, But it was like, I mean, it couldn't have come at a better time again to be with like my other like best podcasting friends who could appreciate like what this means because again so many people in my life no one else is like a podcaster and while they're all proud of me uh, no one really understands the industry so to be with them was amazing it's a huge yeah, deal yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean oh absolutely <laughs> incredible i'm glad that you were able to celebrate it in the right way with people who could appreciate and understand how big of a deal it is So because you're so busy, you know, you're creating these new shows and you're creating a lot of content and the research that you do takes so much time. Um, How do you structure your schedule to make time for friends and family and and for yourself? I don't. This is the part where everyone wants something super insightful and they want me to like have my my life balanced and figured out. I actually just did like another podcast all about mental health. And that's what we talked about was like I this is what I haven't figured out yet because to me, this is my baby. I don't have kids. And I, you know, I, I, I always heard this a lot about startup companies, about like the, the crazy first couple of years that you're just putting all your blood, sweat and tears into it. And I say all the time, like I am so thankful for my husband because we got married the same within a week of launching the podcast. And oh my goodness. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we wow. launched the podcast. Then it was my birthday the next day. And then we got married a week later and he had no idea. Like this is not what he signed up for. Like at, in, at any point in his life, he never thought that this would be where we would be. And he's been so wonderful in not, in not making me choose like between, you know, him or the show he has he knows how important it is to me and he sees how cool it is this thing that I've built and now he has like helped build it with me so instead of again instead of like being on the outside and just getting mad at me for being so involved in this he has really made like a conscious effort to get involved in this like he does a lot of my business affairs stuff now so he's really like incorporated himself into the business which I think has like bonded us even more thank goodness again otherwise I don't know because so much of our time is spent talking about this because it is, it's all I can think about. It's, it's, I live it, I breathe it. I'm so excited about it every day that I wake up. Um, I, I'm trying more now to carve out a little bit of time for, for friends. I haven't figured out yet how to carve out time for a vacation. That's, I think, years down the line. Uh, but it's something that I'm working on. And I, I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think that like I definitely, um, I've been working lately on taking like at least a couple hours every night. Cause I used to work until like 11 o'clock at night and I'd wake up at seven. I go seven to 11 and that wasn't sustainable. Um, so having like dinner and not talking about the podcast one, two nights a week. <laughs> uh, so I, again, it's not, it's not a normal nine to five. Um, but I think it's okay. I think like if you're starting something that you're super passionate about and your friends and family are behind you, like they, they get it. My friends get why I can't go every place that they go or why I'm not available every Saturday night. Um, and I'm just as happy doing this as I would be doing something else. And I think like what everyone wants is a little bit different too, because I even told my husband, like, I, I wish 
I could have felt like satisfied and fulfilled with with just crime junkie because if that were the case like I my life would be wonderfully balanced I think I would be nine to five doing a podcast and then I would have this amazing life and this job that I love and like but it's just something in me that I'm like okay well what's next like I I, I did that I got to number one with this like now it's, I went on to the next project um but but yeah do everything you can now to like just figure out what it is like that will make you so happy later and I mean everyone either you spend the rest of your life working for something that you're like not excited about or you like crank it out now and then you can like spend the rest of your life doing you yeah oh, I love that I love that so much how was your first live tour and do you think you're gonna go on more of those so the first tour was really good um so touring has never been like something I'm super excited about it was at honestly Brit who was like let's get on stage uh, and tell a story um, but it went so well. So we did four shows on the East Coast. We did DC, Philly, Boston, and Brooklyn. And aside from a little like venue snafu, some people got caught in the rain. Um, it went so good. I was, the, the story I thought went super well. I like, I, I think like I found such a good story that like incorporated um, audio and video and pictures that we normally can't do over the podcast. So I really enjoyed telling the story. It was so nice for once to be able to, not just hear Brit's reactions, but hear like a room full of people being like, what? And I'm like, I know. Uh, so it was really cool to have that feedback. And it was amazing how so many people came up to me and said, you know, I didn't know what to expect, but this was so much better than I expected. And to me, I was like, this was exactly, this was just like a long episode. It was like an hour and 15 minutes. I was like, what do you think I was going to do? Just like come up here and chitch. I mean, I don't, I don't know what they expected, but um, I love the people because I mean, we had so many people who literally was like, I cried, I laughed. Like it was an amazing experience. So I was so happy that they were happy because I just felt so much pressure in the, in the couple of months before, because I mean, the tickets were like $30. I was like, someone's going to pay $30 to hear me tell a story. Like I need to make sure that they feel like they got their money's worth. So I was just like a ball of nerves. Cause like the, in my, in my head, they're going to be like, I can't believe I like paid that money to see crime junkie. But everyone is super happy, which made me super happy. Um, it was a little overwhelming just cause I think I mentioned it earlier. I like, I didn't get to work at all for like five days, which is unheard of. So, um, I got really behind. So it was stressful. Um, however, I think that it's something that will continue because now that we've gotten so big, it's really hard for us to do meetups. Uh, the last meetup we did was here in Indianapolis and it was six and a half hours of just a receiving line of like of meet and greets, which like I love, but like, I feel so bad because I can't like really engage with people. It's just like pictures, say a couple words and, and they're standing in line for hours to do that. And as we keep getting bigger, like that's not going to get smaller. And then we even, we even made it. So it was just our fan club who could come to meetups. And that still was like hours and hours. So I think this is now really one of the only ways we can engage with our fans um, in a meaningful way. So what was it like to host your first meetup? Uh, it was honestly my favorite one because uh, I remember it was like March of 2017. So we'd only had the podcast for three months. And I remember like hearing about other podcast meetups that I listened to and there'd be like 10 people or, or so. And we had 60 people come to our first one. And it, I mean, it blew our, I mean, we couldn't believe it. it blew our minds, but it was like, it was one of the best times. So it was like the first time we realized like people drove from like Southern Indiana, like just a couple of hours, but like way farther than we thought anyone would ever drive before. Um, 
And it was so nice because we really got, we spent like the whole evening at this brewery and Britt and I kind of got to like go from table to table. We got to really like mingle and talk about true crime with people, which is like what I always like pictured a meetup being like, it was so cool to engage with the audience. Um, unfortunately, that was the first one and the last one like that, because after that, um, they got a little, a, a little bit crazy, but it was so fun. And I think that what, that might've been one of the first times like to see with our own eyes, like, you know, you see the download numbers, but it's hard to imagine that many people. Yeah. These are real people yeah. investing yeah. time to drive and come see you and like, yeah, excited to meet you. Yeah. It was like the first time I realized that it wasn't just like my mom and dad hitting play. 4,000 times. Like there actually are people listening. <laughs> so your second podcast with the Indiana Police Department, I know you've been working on it for a while. Do you have any details that you can share with me? It's about this 40-year-old cold case here in Indianapolis. And the story is is about what happened. But I, you know, I'm not, I've always said I'm not an investigator. I'm not a reporter. I'm like, I'm not trying to solve the case. Um, I'm trying to bring attention to the case. But then a lot of the story that I'm telling is really about how you investigate a 40-year-old cold case because the detective that I'm working with, um, when we started working together, he had just started that job and gotten that assignment. And he has to work cold cases in his free time. Like that's not his his day job. Like he has to do it, take vacation days. He has to do it after hours. So he comes in and he gets these 20 binders over a hundred audio cassette tapes. And, you know, from day one, everyone's looking at him and, you know, now he's the face of it. And they're like, well, why haven't you solved it? And he's like, I, like, I, I just got here. Like, so I want to tell that story of what it's like. He was seven years old when it happened. And, and now what, like, if you're going to be the guy to come in, like, where do you even start to do something like that? Um, but I'm so excited. So I've been like collecting audio and doing interviews and whatever, but I actually last night for the first time, like started scripting episode one. And like, I'm like the intro is like full body chills. Like I read it to myself like 12 times. I'm so excited. <laughs> So did they approach you or did you approach them about this show? Both. Is this actually in the intro? Because I wanted to explain like how I got here. Um, but so I've been working with Crime Stoppers of Central Indiana for a long time. And for years, like even before Crime Junkie, I was like begging them to do a podcast. Like I so believed in it. They thought I was crazy. Then I started Crime Junkie and I like used it to show them like, hey, look, I can get people to pay attention. Um, and I would just I wanted them to do any case. And like I was really just hoping for one no one had heard of like let's try something small that's not like something you're going to get a lot of like attention over because they're terrified to work with media and then to work with me on like non-traditional media and to come like into the case is is very scary for them um so they were brushing me off brushing me off brushing me off well i kept getting a lot of requests for this case it's, it's the burger chef murders so i had been getting a lot of requests so i was just gonna do a crime junkie episode but like one of the things we always say is we try and either do an underreported case or we have a new spin on a big case and this one was huge in indiana so i was like there's just no way i can like do this in a new way so I reached out to some of my um, contacts at Crime Stoppers and I said, could you just like get me an interview with a detective for this case? I think it would at least like elevate the episode if I could hear from somebody in the investigation. And they're like, I'll check, you know, they don't really like media, blah, 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 blah. So I was like, okay. So I was like, you know, if they, if they call me back and do it, I'll do the episode. So they called me out of the blue. I mean, I hadn't heard anything in months and they call me out of the blue and they're like, you know, we want to do a whole series on this. 
um, we want to release some new information. We want to, and we want to use your podcast and yada, yada, yada. And I was just like, I couldn't believe it. So, I mean, yeah, they're like throwing the biggest case in Indianapolis at me and, and kind of finally giving me what I want to do. So now I just can't screw it up. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about your 10 million downloads um, and thousands of people like reaching out to you every month, whether it's via email or in your DMs. Um, do you have any like specific stories, like maybe one story you'd like to share about connecting with someone from your audience that has left like a positive impression on you? I don't know necessarily like one in particular, but there's this like genre of emails that I've been getting that I never expected to get. So I expected to maybe hear from victims, family members, which we did right away, or people who were interested in the cases or wanted to help or whatever. But the one like very unexpected aspect of this podcast was we have gotten so many emails from people who in some way or another have basically said like I have I'm going through one of the hardest times in my life for x y or z reason and you too felt like my friends and like gave me this outlet or I mean I mean it's gone even deeper to where people said like I didn't feel like there was a reason to go on and they said you know it might sound silly because it's a, a true crime podcast but like I looked forward to every Monday and like your show got me to every Monday when I didn't think I could. And then just that like push, like helped me like get on the right path with my mental health. And so to get, and I mean, some very like some, some beautiful stories about, about people who I, I tell the story, my husband, um, was trying to help me. We get you know, hundreds of emails a day. And I was like, one of the things you could do is like help me go through the email inbox. And I was like, why don't you just try one? And and see how you would respond. And the first one he read was about this girl that said, you know, I I was going to commit suicide and I found a friend in you two. And she's like, I know that might sound that might sound insane. And I know you don't know me, but like having having you there every single week or in my ear, like gave me a reason to keep going. And my husband was like, I'm, I'm tapped out like I can't do this. But it, it's, it has been the most like beautiful. Oh, I've like wept at these like wonderful stories I get. Yeah. And I mean, people that I've met at the meetup who have told me that that stuff too. this one girl came up to me and she's like, you know, without going into too much detail, like I went through this trauma and I had severe PTSD and it, it's your podcast that brought me out of it. And, and her partner was there and she was like, yeah, like she can only function. It gave us something to talk about. It gave us something to connect over. And like, I get goosebumps when I think about it because it never crossed my mind that we could be friends to people who weren't in the same room as us, or we could offer something that that was totally not crime related um, to people, but it has been the coolest aspect, I think, of the show that I never intended, but has been so beautiful. That is incredible. The fact like, yes, your show is entertaining, but it has so much additional value. I know. For so many different people, for so many different reasons. I would have never, ever guessed, though. That's so weird. Like, in a, in a great way, yeah. Oh, my gosh. In such a great way. So She's So Cool Unscripted is about women who are, like, pursuing their dreams and pursuing their passions in life. Um, what dreams did you have for yourself that have come true? And what dreams do you have for your future? So I think I've always dreamt of, of running my own business. And I, I didn't, it didn't necessarily look like a podcast five years ago, but I, I wanted to have control over my future and my schedule. And even though like there was this great meme that said, you know, 
if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And it's like scratched out. And it says, if you love what you do, you'll work harder than you ever have in your whole life. And it's so true. I like, I have never worked so hard in my entire life, but been so happy. So I think I just wanted that freedom and, and to go back to like my need to keep creating more and more and more. I think like I just deep down had this need to build something and I never thought of myself as a creative person, but I do now take so much pleasure in, in creating audio and stories and yeah, who knew? I never knew I'd be a storyteller. It's so weird. Um, as far as my future, I, I feel like I'm just in such uncharted territory now. Um, I think I want to continue to grow the show that I have. I want to continue to grow my network. And I want to have a business that can keep up with the big corporate podcasts, the Wondery and the Gimlet and the Spotify. I want to be able to do that out, still out of my spare room. Like I want to be, I want to show people that you can do it. Like it's, it's, it's not easy. It's not like a, I always say it, it's not like a, you will build it. They will come situation. Um, but I, I want to be able to, as the, the landscape changes, cause I think podcasting is changing so fast. Um, my goal is to create a sustainable business that can compete with like these larger companies. Which is amazing because I think your show and another show are the two ones that said to me, communicated to me that like, you can do this too. You know, you don't have to have a business or be in a network or, you know, you can be in your closet and record a show and people will listen to it if if you believe in it and you think that people want to hear what you have to say. And so I think it's so critically important that 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 is a message that you're sending out because I probably wouldn't have started my show if it weren't for you. So it's like, I'm so serious. I'm so serious. So it's like the ripple effect of you so crazy. creating your show is even beyond listenership and inspiring other people to start their own shows and like their lives are changed because of that. What's one of your most memorable experiences as a crime junkie? So much of it's spent in this room. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think honestly, like my, this is so recent, but when we came out at our live show in Boston, it was 1100 people screaming when they heard the theme song and I started weeping on stage like I came walking out crying Brits crying like we look absolutely ridiculous I had to like I was like you guys I swear I'm not even drunk like it was just the most overwhelming feeling and I think that was like to date just like the most mind-blowing part of all of this because I can I can believe people want to listen in their car I can but to like to scream for our theme song is the, like the coolest thing in the world. I don't know. That is super memorable. That's a great, great example. So do you have any big bucket list items that you're hoping to cross off this year? Um, professionally, I pray to God I can get this Indiana State Police thing done. And that's, I mean, that's really the one. Because again, that was my bucket list item before Crime Junkie was a bucket list item. So... I am dying to get this one off the ground. 
um, personally, I, I, I was going to say I'd love to, uh, we were going to go to Europe, but then now we can't because we, the tour. <laughs> so I had to put that off for another year. We'll see. I told Eric, I was like, worst case scenario, I'm just going to work myself to death for five years. And then I'm just going to like disappear <laughs> from the podcast scene. <laughs> He's like, you're going to piss a lot of people off. And I was like, yeah, probably. <laughs> that was last my last question. So do you have any questions for me? I'm not assuming that you do, but I want to give you the opportunity to ask me any questions if you have any. Yeah. So where, like, where do you want to be? Like, what are your goals for this year? If you're interested in hearing my response to her question, become a change maker by visiting patreon.com slash she's so cool pod. Thank you so much. Thank you for everything. And hopefully we'll talk soon. I want to extend special thanks to Ashley for taking time out of her busy schedule for this interview. You can follow her on Instagram at Indie Ash Flowers, and you can tune in to any of her shows wherever you find your podcasts. And I want to thank you for tuning in. If you want to see my 90-minute uncut interview with Ashley, you can visit patreon.com slash she's so cool pod and sign up as a changemaker for access. If you liked what you heard, please leave a five-star review and tell your friends and family to listen. If you have any questions or suggestions, please feel free to email me at she's so cool pod at gmail.com. You can also see the show notes, sign up for email updates, and provide episode suggestions on she's so cool pod.com. The cover art was created by Gabrielle Bourgeois, and the music was created by Broke for Free. <laughs>